You know, we live in a busy world. Um, there's so much to do, and I'm excited to see so many people at this gathering this weekend who are not just kind of sort of wanting to see what God can do with their farm, or, or maybe they don't have a farm yet, but they're thinking about a farm, but people that are actively pursuing it and um, rolling away the stones, so to speak, um, so that they can start doing it. You know, when God raised Lazarus from the dead, he didn't, he didn't send an angel down to roll away that stone. He asked the people to do it. And I think that in our work for him, I think that sometimes the first thing that we have to do is just roll away that stone so that he can actually then bless through us. Many, many, for the sake of worldly advantage, for the sake of acquiring scientific knowledge, will venture into the pestilential regions and endure hardship and privation. But where are those who are willing to do this for the sake of telling others of the Savior? Where are the men and women who will move into regions that are in need of the gospel that they may point those in darkness to the Redeemer? And I think that farming is just such an amazing way to be able to do that because when you grow food for people, you are meeting their most very basic need. And so we have a group of farmers. Um, Some are from institutions. Some are single. Some are married. Some are just little tiny family farms. Some are bigger family farms. We've got kind of a group of people up here who have all had experiences where God has been able to use them to share their faith because of the simple food that they're growing in the soil. And so I'd like to um, uh, introduce them to you now, allow them to introduce uh, themselves to you. And we had some a basket that people put questions in, and so we'd like to go through some of those questions so that you can hear their first-hand testimony of how God has used their farm to be a blessing in the community where they are. So what I'd like to do, um, okay, so we've got a series of mics here, so we're good. So why don't we start with you, Shantae, at the end, and just, we'll go around and just tell us about your farm, how long you've been doing it, who you are, and and each person will just go around the circle and, and let each person tell. Okay, so my name is Shantae Fisher. And I am very happily married to a farmer from Oklahoma. Um, he, he's been farming all his life, comes from generations of farmers. Uh, I joined the operation three years ago when I got married to him and moved there to Oklahoma. We spend the spring and summer months um, growing vegetables, and we have a CSA and go to farmer's market, do some wholesaling. And then we spend our fall and winter months volunteering um, in the Democratic Republic of the Congo. I'm Lily Pearlie, and I don't have that much experience in farming, but we, um, the Lord impressed us to start in agriculture. We've been praying for it, what we should do for family, because I believe it's the family project. It's not so much the parents' project. We have three small children, and it's been such a blessing to work together with the children. Um, the name of our farm is The Real Food 
growers farm, and we specialize in right now in the winter produce. My name is Timothy Hyde, and I've been farming for three years at three different far farms. Um, right now I am at Fresno Adventist Academy in Fresno, California, and I am 21. Hi, my name is Armando Lopez. I work at Heartland Institute, and I've been there for four years working on the farm and um, training young people, getting them to love, getting them to love work and um, using it to reach the community. My name is Jason Fournier, and I work at Kibidula Farm. I've been there for 23 years, and not always as a farmer, though. And we are doing um, commercial avocado and um, gardening and other things. My name is Kirsten Connect, and I have grown up on my family's farm, Bountiful Blessings Farm in Middle Tennessee. And I recently got married six months ago, and I am blessed to still be living on the farm and involved with the ministry there. I'm Jana Britson, and I'm married to a farmer, and we live in Michigan, and our farm is Good News Farms, and we are um, right across the road from Great Lakes Adventist Academy, so we are um, use the students um, as working at the farm so they can learn farming. One thing I'm impressed with listening to all of you is that when you're doing food for people, food from the soil, because that's where food grows, um, it spans all continents, all walks of life. Um, it's just such a basic, um, a basic wonderful thing. So I'm going to first, um, I'd like to first ask a question, a very general question. If each one of you could just give us just, and it doesn't have to be the best experience, but just one little experience of how you felt that God has given you a divine appointment in talking with somebody because of your farm, and you can just pop up. It doesn't have to be in any, um, in any order. How has God used your farm to give you an opportunity to meet people, talk with them, and share with them? One experience comes to mind. Um, through our CSA, we've had an opportunity to really develop relationships with our customers, which is one of my favorite parts of our farming operation. And um, similar to the farm day that the Smiths were describing yesterday, we have a CSA farm tour and dinner every year for our customers, usually near the end of the season when we've had an opportunity to um, get to know them a little bit. And this, this past year, we had a nice group out at the farm. And we were actually, we'd done the farm tour, and we were sitting down and eating, and I was just kind of moving from person to person, visiting with some of the people that I don't get to see as much as others. And I remember I was sitting there and talking to um, this, a couple of ladies, and one of them, just out of the blue, asked me the question, so tell me about Seventh-day Adventists. What is it that you believe that's different than other Christians? What, what do you have similar, and what's different? And I was like, wow, that's, <laughs> that's quite the question. And several of the people around stopped their conversations and turned towards me to see what I would say. So I sent up a quick little prayer, and I answered the question. And we had a very, very profitable discussion. And, you know, a lot of these people that we interact with um, wouldn't, 
because of their backgrounds, their worldviews, they would never consider going to a church. But because we've had the opportunity to build these relationships and they have a lot of trust in us because we are, we're providing their food and they come to the farm, they see exactly where it's growing and they know that we care about them, um, it really breaks down those barriers and has given us an opportunity to reach out to the hearts of people that we otherwise would not be able to reach out to. Amen. One of the first examples that I could think of was back when I was at Sunny Zona Farms, and I was working in the seating area of the salad house where we grow the microgreens, and my friend Julian and I were seating and singing songs as we worked, and for those of you who don't know, at Sunny Zona they have non-Aventist employees, and we're singing along, and this really tough um, lady <laughs> who um, was kind of cold at first, and you could tell she had been through a lot in her life, was working in the salad house. And as we started singing, I could kind of sense that she was getting a little bit emotional. And um, it was just amazing to me that here I am just doing my work, and I'm witnessing to someone without even really realizing it. And later, probably that week or around that time, another lady in the salad house, um, was her name was Moira, and she was just working and we were kind of talking whenever we would be in the same area of the house. And she said, you know, I think there's more in common with my beliefs as a, you know, a Christian and what you guys, you know, you Adventists believe. And, you know, I recently left my church because they were getting all, you know, caught up in speaking in tongues. And just the discussion we were able to have about, you know, the Bible being the basis of a faith and um, without it being a... Um, evangelistic series or a Bible study, we were still able to discuss God and truth. One of the experiences we had over there is uh, one time we had two chefs from one of the high-end restaurants in Washington, D.C. We're about an hour and a half south of Washington, D.C. They actually wanted to come and have like a farm experience. So they came and they actually for two days... Uh, they worked with us there on the farm, and they were just uh, impressed with all the work that goes into um, making food happen. Um, they, actually, uh, they actually wished they could bring their whole cook staff um, so that they could see how, how much work goes into producing food, and they thought maybe they wouldn't be so wasteful with it. Um, but we were able to share with them throughout throughout the, the two days that they spent with us there on the farm. And, um, you know, because they, they start realizing that it's, it's more than just farming, it's more than just food, it's a lifestyle. And we started getting into uh, health, uh, we started getting into religion, and we just were able to share with them in, in different levels. One of them, uh, they were actually both uh, European, one of them was from England and the other one was from Romania, but they were both chefs, and uh, it was a great experience sharing with them throughout those two days. People you would have never had a chance to, because you probably don't eat in the kind of restaurants that they cook in. And <laughs> we farmers don't usually eat in those restaurants. Um, but you would never have a chance to meet them otherwise if it wasn't through your farm. Wonderful.
we just started Winter CSA, and it's always, I think, a challenge to start a new business. So we've been praying for the different avenues, how to market our new business. So I believe the Lord provided this GMO forum that was sponsored by the city that I happened to go to. And in the end, I had the opportunity to speak about the dangers of GMO and just I put little advertisement for our farm that we don't, we also try to grow veganically without any uh, animal products. So right after the meeting, a couple came to me and they were so excited about that we actually want to do it. The man took the cash right out of his pants and said, here's all the money that you need to start your business. I said, no, no, not right now. He was so excited. And then they said, we're already on your list, we're coming. And so they gave all the contact information. Then when I contact them, this, um, our church allowed us to have the CSA pickup at our church, at our local church. So I said, please, we're going to meet in Seventh-day Adventist Church. Would you need direction? And she emailed me and said, I even don't know anything about Seventh-day Adventist Church. I don't even know it exists. So we gave directions, and for the first time in her life, they came to our church to pick it up. And praise the Lord, now they're so involved, we have cooking class that was uh, sponsored by our church that they signed up. So now they're coming to cooking class to want to learn. I I think the Lord used us as an arm to reach out to this particular family to, by God's grace, they can learn more and more about the God we serve. Amen. And shouldn't we be the ones that would have the recipes and the ideas for how people can use the wonderful food that we know how to grow? That's so wonderful. Um, We went uh, with our farm. We had a reporter come to do a story, a feature article for a vegetarian vegan restaurant that's in Michigan, the state of Michigan. They go all over Michigan. And he came, and he was super excited. It was this reporter, and he was just like, he came, and he was like, at first he didn't know what to think of of our operation. And as, you know, we toured around, and I we explained, you know, what we were doing and how we did it and all that. He just got super excited. He's like, I'm going to go back to my office. I'm going to tell everybody. And we want, he goes, I want our, our office to become our newspaper. He was worth the newspaper. And he said, I want our newspaper to become a drop point location for your farm boxes. And I want all our, all my coworkers to sign up for our farm boxes. And it was just really neat to see that he got super excited as, you know, as he was there for the two hours he got so excited and passionate about it. And he's like, I'm a meat eater. I'll never quit eating meat. But he goes, I, I would love to have all this stuff to add to my, to add to my f- cooking. See, he, he was a foodie and he loves to cook. And so he just was really excited about the, the potential and the, the opportunity to be able to receive farm boxes with, with him. And I, I just thought it was really cool to see that, you know, otherwise we wouldn't have been able to connect with him otherwise. I always tell people that a farm, when you're a farmer, it's like having a year-round lifestyle center for people because you're not just bringing people to your lifestyle center for a week or two weeks or three weeks. You're impacting their life for a whole year or many years, hopefully. So as, as has already been mentioned, the farm gives you an opportunity to interact with people that you wouldn't normally interact with in your church circles, and we've been farming for about 18 years, and our customers have really become our family, and 
this spring I got married and I really I, I got married on the farm and I really wanted the wedding to be an evangelistic tool and so we opened it up and we invited all our customers all our farmers market um, friends and CSA members and it was so touching to see on my wedding day all of those people come um, our farmers market manager came the the man who runs our food hub came um, several fellow farmers came one of the fellow farmers um, who's not a Christian she she told me a few weeks before my wedding you know I really would like to help you and she offered to do all the flowers for my wedding and it gives you opportunities to touch people's lives that you you wouldn't otherwise have and so on my wedding day I, I looked out on all the people that had come it was quite a large wedding in the in the fields and on our farm and um, you know going down the aisle and seeing all those people that I would see at farmers markets and um, so many not even Christians and the impact that that had on them you know for for the whole summer after that people would come up to me and tell me what a blessing it was coming to to my wedding and you know we we really wanted it to be evangelistic and so we shared how the Lord had led in our lives and brought us together. And there were moments where I was wondering, you know, how are these people going to, to take this? And, you know, because we're very overt about, you know, God leading us together and, and his providences. And we really made it a call to people to surrender their lives to the Lord as well and give themselves to Christ. And I wondered how, how it would be. But it was just, it was so amazing to see the response from these people. And so it, it opens up opportunities to, to be a part of lives that you would never otherwise be able to be a part of. So it's just, a, it's a huge blessing. And so when those people become part of your lives, become part of your family, you invite them to, we've had them, we've had customers for Christmases and holidays and, and, you know, come out for meals and, it's, it's just, it's an amazing opportunity to share, and your life is a witness. Amen. Well, in Africa, it's no novel idea that you eat from the land. It's um, pretty much what people do there. Um, but there's a community of people who are very difficult to reach, and that is the foreign commercial farmer community. They are there doing their big time farms and they have no time for missionaries or for religion or um, yeah it's kind of a very difficult to enter community and uh, I've noticed a huge change just as we entered the commercial farming uh, element there that um, there's suddenly this interest I have Farmers visiting us, I have open invitation, come visit us. And I do. It's like there's, there's hundreds, thousands of people that God wants to save. And, you know, we don't go there with books in our hands or something. We go there to be friends, to learn from them. They learn from us. There's, and this opportunity came about just because of farming. And uh, I, I think it's uh, God's way to reach their hearts. Amen. You know, one of the questions that came in was, as a farmer, do you, feel, do you feel that it's hard to gain people's trust and respect so that you can minister to them? And I'm sure getting the impression that I don't even need to ask that question, um, because it, it sure sounds to me like all of you are having ex 
God is just giving you the experiences. You're not even needing to seek them out or prove that you have. You don't have to show your degree to prove that you've got something to um, something better to give people. Um, I have a question for probably more towards you ladies um, about your children and the farm and probably in particular to these two at this end about growing up on a farm. So you would, you two at that end would have it from uh, your experiences of why you think the farm is going to help your children be missionaries. Has the farm helped your children be a missionary already? And then, of course, Jana, you have children too. Kirsten, you don't, but you grew up on a farm. So would any of you like to... um, Say anything about that, how the farm is giving your children an automatic experience to minister or how you, as a little child, were able to be a little missionary because of just growing up on the farm. We have three children, and it's just such a blessing to have small children. When they're small, to grow up on the farm. I talk to so many people that... It's a little bit harder when you leave the city and your child is about 20 years old to actually get them involved in agriculture. But we have such an advantage, and I know Shantasia is very small. They grow up on the farm. They love it. Um, For example, my 9-year-old, he he just loved the soil. That's what he does. He actually started his own little business, so to speak. He actually likes to propagate plants. He loves to open his big, thick book on propagation. He reads how to start from different plants, the trees, everything, and then he puts them in the soil and aloe plants, and he shares with his friends. Um, We have a family in the church. How does he reach out to plant? He gives them to people, and he actually in Baker Creek now has his own stand, Um, and he calls it Ruben's Nursery. (laughs) I really do believe that people love it to come to his nursery because he's small. So at his stand, his friends, they have all outreach books, Desire of Ages, Christ Objects Lessons, and they give them out right there. And it's such an advantage for children to give out books because usually nobody says no. Usually people do take them, and many times they do read them. Also, for my little one, she's only six, Spirit of Prophecy advises us to have a little plot for our children that they can plant their own seeds and they can watch them grow. And it does make a huge difference. I do encourage everyone with children to actually give them their own land because they feel the ownership. And they have lots of seeds and they grow their own and watch them grow. And we have character. I developed stories from that, how Christ... Um, wants us to grow in him. And then we share. We put their food in the baskets for our customers too. And we do let our um, people know that children grow food for you. And that brings joy to people know that little hands have grown veggies for them. Amen. A little child shall lead them. Well, growing up on a farm was the best thing that could have ever happened to me. It was such a huge blessing. And I think as a young child, the effect that it had was kind of subconscious. But for those who would see our family, I think a family that does something countercultural and that goes back to the land and that does something very radical, that has an influence and 
effect on people that you don't even know. But for me now, I feel like looking back, the farm has definitely given me a real heart for people that I may not have had otherwise. You know, going to farmer's markets, dealing with CSA customers every week of my life, practically, um, you're, you're meeting with people, like I already said, that you wouldn't otherwise be meeting with. You're, you're meeting with people who are not Christians. You know, some are, but the majority of the circles that, you know, organic agriculture speaks to aren't Christians. And so you really see the need out there very, very much in your face, and, and people share things. And so just that burden of souls, I think, is what the farm has given me, and a, a real burden to reach those people for Christ. I just want to say quickly, our, our children are still quite young. Our oldest is 18 months old, um, and we're training him in. He's got a long way to go, but he loves to help. He, this summer, he particularly loved helping us at Farmer's Market managing the cash box and handing you know, the change back to people, except he would keep on handing out money until the cash box was empty if we didn't watch him. He thinks it's really fun. But one thing that I noticed was that our customers really had an affection for us already before we had children, but once we had Hudson and, and now we've had Maria, they just, it has increased exponentially. It's like they all feel like we're their little farm family and they would do anything they could for us. And so I'm looking forward to incorporating our children into um, ministering to others as they continue to grow up on the farm. Amen. I was raised on a farm, which I think was really great. Um, and I think it taught me a lot of things like work ethic and um, a sense of family working together to, to get the produce harvested. And now as I have my own children, just seeing them, um, you know, I'll take them over to the greenhouse and... I literally have to stop them because they'll go in and they'll just start picking leaves of kale and eating it. And I have to like stop them because I mean, that's, we have to sell that, right? Or, you know, they'll just go along and they'll just pick tomatoes off the vine and start eating tomatoes. And so it's really great to see that, you know, my children at such a young age are, love eating fresh produce, you know, and just, they love eating salad. They love eating all this fresh stuff, which I think is really great. And, you know, I just working together as a family on, on a farm, I think, is just wonderful. It's such a good experience for us and for them. And such a foundation for children. Um, you know, we're talking about missionary work to the world, but our first missionary place is our family. And um, the hope of the gospel in this generation is in giving young people a true moral taste in love of work. And how better to do that than to have them growing up on a farm and, and touching their palates with eating good food. I mean, you know, when you grow the food yourself, eating that little leaf of kale or that fresh tomato off the vine or whatever it is tastes so much better when you and mommy and daddy grew it together. And, um, you know, we're living in a, in a society where everything is going to be against us raising our kids and getting our kids to have a love for the simple things in life. And a farm truly does do that for your children. But I'm preaching to the choir, I know that. Um, moving ahead, so now we've talked about the missionary emphasis for young children, how young children can help with that, uh, looking outward, and how it's also a blessing for the children themselves. What about... Um, Armando and Jason, and I guess Timothy too, yeah, you all three are at institutions. 
Talk about the impact of the evangelism opportunities for the for the the farm on the students. Um, it's uh, I have definitely seen its effectiveness. Um, it you know when you're doing something together with someone else, it it creates like a bond, a link. Uh, it helps open the door to their hearts. And um, I have seen uh, in the time I've, I've worked, I've worked in two different institutions. In the institution I was at previously, um, I actually got to uh, work with some students who uh, were, you know, had really uh, deep issues with drug addictions. And um, seeing how working on the farm really helped them, it gave them an avenue to... Uh, focus their mind and their energy and, and get away from all those other, uh, their past life. I've, I've seen its effectiveness. And uh, providentially, the Lord opened up doors where we could work with an actual a drug rehab place in the city. And um, eventually, we even had some of the young people that were there in that drug rehab after they finished their nine months. One of them actually came and stayed uh, ended up staying at the school for a whole year, and he had been, you know, he had been really in some bad situations, you know, living on the streets, and um, and it was just he was just there in agriculture, and um, you can definitely see how the the influence of nature, you know, God was working on their hearts, and then you have an opportunity that as you're there working with them, you can share and you can help uplift their mind to heaven and, and help them when, they're, when uh, their struggles kicked in. Amen. And, Jana, you feel free to jump in, too, because you're at a school as well. So, um, This past year, we took our students into a couple of villages, and they presented a whole week of um, court classes in the village, uh, helping the villagers with their agriculture. Um, in the evenings, but all day long they worked uh, in people's gardens and fields um, just helping them, especially the the older uh, people who had a harder time keeping up with their workload. And uh, what we noticed on our students was that they started to value more the things they're learning and to prize it as they were presenting it to others. It it like it reinforced that this is valuable, and uh, so it was. And and they all came home with all excited with testimonies of people being helped and how it touched lives. And yeah, I think it touched them being able to use agriculture to touch giving others. them a taste. You know, and you mentioned in the interview earlier that a lot of your students are kids that have failed in school prior to coming there. So now for them to have the privilege and the, um, the satisfaction of seeing that they now have a skill they can share with others. And that's so critical for young people, for anybody, to feel like they have a skill because then it helps you just feel more secure in every way. So, Right. I think being a primary school failure uh, weighs on them in their self confidence mm -hmm. and coming through a program and seeing success you know we don't fail anybody because um, we teach them to succeed and they come out successful and 
they come out um, as small, young leaders in their own communities. Oh, that's awesome. From my limited experience, I would say that the most teachable moments for young people are not in the classroom. And when I would bring, or when the students would come out to the farm, I would emphasize to them that they have a clean slate. I don't know how their grades are. I don't know if they act up in the classroom. And they are proving to me who they are. I'm not going off of what any, anyone else is saying about them. And there were students that you know, grew up in an inner city. They had never worked. Um, one of them followed the, the puddles on the driveway as it you know, went down the hill like a young child would do because they had never seen that before. And, um, but I really um, was amazed at how much they could change in a short amount of time. Sometimes they had an attitude, they had disrespect, they had no work ethic, and or I should say oftentimes they had that. And um, the opportunities that working with them on the farm provided to test their character and to um, train them was pretty remarkable. Amen. I think, too, just seeing the, seeing the students come, they start out being like, why do I have to do this? Why do I have to work with the dirt and get dirty? I don't want to get dirty. And, you know, and then seeing that influence change, how they get so excited you know, over the period of time that they're there. You, know, you have them coming you know, at the beginning of the school year, not wanting to come and not being excited. And then at the end of the school year, they are excited and they want to do there. They, they want to be there. And then we have the positive pure pressure too of the kids who want to be there and they influence the kids who don't want to be there for for good that they you know get them excited and so we have a lot of the students who want to be there you know we have them as being team leaders and then we also have the ones that are excited and then they influence other kids in other parts of the school and we have kids coming and saying hey my friend who works at the farm said that it's really cool to work at the farm I want to work there because it's really cool and so it's just really exciting to see that change you know kids who have bad attitudes and who have maybe bad grades coming in and just getting excited and their behavior changing and it's really neat to see them grow and develop um, from working you know from working on the farm and some of the teachers, I understand, have said that some of their grades have improved after. Yes, yes. They've, they've improved. So just by working at the farm, you know, being in touch with the soil and getting excited about and being passionate about something, which is really great to see, you know, as a, as a farmer and a leader, that's really exciting to see the growth in the students. In every way. Hmm, that's awesome. Shantae, when I asked you last night if you would do it, I said, would you be involved in an evangelism um, panel um, talking about how your farm has been able to be evangelistic for your community? The first words out of your mouth after you said yes were, and for our employees. Tell me about that. All right, so let me back up a little bit. A couple years ago, we were spending our fall, winter months in Africa, and my husband and I were talking, you know, when you... When you run a farm, a CSA, you can get so buried in the work. You just, you know, are surviving for a few months out of the year and can hardly think about having extra time to do anything. Um, you know, that's kind of between April and July for us. We put in really long hours. We work very hard. Um, and it's, it's difficult to conceptualize having time to incorporate other things into our life. But we really felt a burden that... We wanted not to get buried in our farm work, um, 
because you know it's a very it's a very good wholesome life but we wanted to really have it be our ministry as well and not just save our ministry for the months of the year that we spent in Africa and so we began to really pray and ask God specifically to bring us opportunities bring us people that year into our lives that we could minister to even as we were involved in our farm work and God has really answered that prayer um, in incredible ways, especially through the, the employees. You know, we have to hire because of our, we have a, an asparagus production that's fairly heavy two months out of the year, and we have to hire some extra labor for that. And, and so we've had a lot of local people working for us. And oftentimes the kind of employees that we find locally who are available to work on the farm are the type that don't have regular jobs, and the reason they don't have regular jobs is because they're not that great of employees. <laughs> and so we've really had an opportunity to work with people, to be patient with people, and develop relationships with them. And I, I have one person in mind specifically who we've developed a relationship with him and with his partner over the last couple of years. God has given us incredible opportunities to reach out to him, but we've learned so much. Um, I've realized that in order to make farming and evangelism work, evangelism really has to be part of your life, part of the way you live. You can't have it be something that you prepare for in your spare time because you just don't have spare time. It has to be part of what you do every single day. So, for instance, just really practically speaking, you know, these people, they're working with our vegetables, but they've never even eaten our vegetables. They don't know even how to prepare vegetables. And so we've had them to our table, eating around our table with us. I used to be the type that if I had a non-vegetarian eating a meal with us, I just I felt like I had to really prepare, really think through what I made, not make anything that was too weird or too offensive to their taste buds. But you know, when you, when you go about evangelism and ministry in that mindset, then it becomes a big deal. And you can't have people over very often unless you have enough time to prepare this special meal. So God has called to my heart, no, you need, to, you need to be willing to have them come and experience your life just the way you live it. And so we've gotten to the place where, you know, if, if one of our employees is there over lunch and all they brought for lunch was a soda pop, I'm willing to say, come, join us. You know, I didn't make anything special. Just eat what we're eating. Just put an extra plate on the table. And we've many times had people eat with us that are not used to eating this way. And I'm okay with saying, you know what? If you don't like it, that's okay. Just eat it anyway. You've got to retrain those taste buds. <laughs> and not be offended by, you know, them picking at their food. But it has had such an impact on, on these people to, to enter into our lives, to sit down and have family worships with us, to even come to church with us. And they do so because they really believe that we care about them. And they've been able, by God's grace, to see Jesus living in our lives every day because we've allowed them to get close to us. We've gotten close to them and invested in their lives. And you know, they, there's ups and downs. Sometimes um, you're really hopeful of the changes you see people making. Other times it's hard to see them backsliding. But by God's grace, we continue to persevere, knowing that as we sow those seeds, someday there will be a harvest. And, and that is the key. And of all the people in the world, we farmers should realize that it is just about the seeds. We're not going to see it today necessarily. And, and it might even be that um, it might be a very long time, but the seeds are being sown. And, um, and then with the continual contact, like you're saying, watering them and uh, just continuing to care for them. Thank you. 
Um, so that's about employees. Timothy, I know for a fact that you've had some employee experiences too. Share something. Yeah, I mentioned those too. Um, but for part of my time at Sunny Zona, um, where I had the most involvement with other employees, um, I was a team leader. And I had a group of about five people working with me. And a couple of them were non-Adventist. Two of them in particular um, were really close to us other Adventist young people. They were a brother and sister, and they would go with us, you know, rock climbing on the weekends, and they often came to worships in the morning. And just to develop a friendship and a relationship with them over the course of our time there um, opened the door for deeper conversations about spiritual things and them asking us questions as to why we did what we did and, you know, why do you not go to... um, the store on Sabbath and, you know, why don't you go to movies or things like that. And um, just that friendship that we cultivated over an extended period of time and the way they saw us in our work. I mean, that's who you are on a daily basis. Um, And it's not like you're showing someone the ministry side at one time of your life. It's just your lifestyle. And I would also say, um, you know, oftentimes when we hear Ministry, we think of a pastor or a revivalist. Um, but ministry is so much broader than that. And when we think of Christ's example and his methods of teaching the people from object lessons of nature, I've been reading Christ's object lessons recently, and it just really inspires me how simple the truths that he taught were, but how profound they were. And... Um, it might seem like a humble thing, but really the seeds that are planted can reap an abundant harvest. Amen. And the dailiness of working, like Shante was saying, when you're daily meeting those people every day, and you were saying it too, Timothy. Um, you know, in evangelism, we often think that, well, we've got to have this evangelistic series, and I'm not downplaying it. That's so important. But that's like one touch point that two weeks or three weeks out of a year, but when you're going to a farmer's market or, or working every day with your, with your team members, fellow team members at work, that's 365 days a year evangelism. So that's a real um, golden opportunity and responsibility for us. Um, question came in in the, in the little basket. And it says, what is the biggest challenge that you have faced in conversations with people? Does anybody have a thought on that? I think for us, at least, is the the lack of knowledge. When you go out and talk to, like, our Farmbox customers, you know, they'll be like, well, how do I prepare this? Or, you know, it's something simple like kale. Or, you know, it's to us that it's very simple. But yet to them, they don't have that knowledge and so for us, it's been the lack of knowledge in how to, you know, how you prepare certain things or even how, how, how a farm works. You know, it's just the lack of knowledge. But that's such an opportunity then because then you have the information. Yeah. So, yeah, that's the, that's the exciting part. And we can share with them, like, how, how, how to do certain things and how to prepare certain dishes. But it's just exposing people to that um, that's been our challenge, I think. Mm-hmm. But what a blessing to be able to help them with those needs. Anybody else? Um, one of the things I think this morning uh, was mentioned, uh, um, 
or it was last night, um, just there's a, the group of people that are into like new age and those type of things, more the oriental religions, um, you know, that's becoming more popular. And sometimes you can talk about God and they're like, yeah, God, but their idea of God is so different from yours. And so like there's this, even though you're, you're talking about a lot of the same things and they resonate with your lifestyle and with, with agriculture and eating healthy, but their ideas of God are different. And so I've, I've found it hard. How do you, you know, how do you give them the right idea without just, you know, um, getting into an argument with them or, you know, just telling them, no, your, your ideas of God are wrong. That, that's, that's been a challenge. Because really, um, the, that type of religion or belief system has, is, is in many ways ahead of us um, in where they're at with, with farming and, and meeting people's needs. So to, I get what you're saying. <laughs> I second that. I was going to say, as I was thinking about our customers, we have some, um, you know, really well-to-do progressive customers who, who love our produce and love our family, but have a totally different worldview than we do, a worldview that I can't even relate to. Like, I don't even understand a lot of where they're coming from. Um, but one thing that it has done for me is it has, it has really put me on my knees because, you know, God knows the avenues into each person's heart way better than we ever could. We could talk to people for, for years nonstop and not find that entering wedge, but God can lead us to that entering wedge if we're, really, if we're really in tune with him, if we're really surrendered to him, and if we're looking for those opportunities. And so, you know, Luke and I have spent time praying, praying for our customers, praying for our um, interactions with them, and asking God to help us to recognize what those openings are. And as we're sensitive to his spirit, he, he answers those prayers. And it's really exciting to see conversations happen that you know were divinely ordained. It wasn't, it wasn't you who created it. And, and how inspiring to be used by God to, to reach a person with a mindset that would never go to a church, would never open a Bible. Amen. I had an interesting situation where a commercial avocado grower was visiting to see what I was doing. And uh, we went to the field together and I had 4,000 holes prepared. And beside each hole was a heap of rocks, granite. And he said, what are all those rocks in your field for? Because we don't have rock on our place. So we had obviously brought thousands of rocks into our field. And this is the Ellen White tree planting method and so um, I gave him a little explanation there and uh, he said well I'll keep that a secret <laughs> but he's watching he, he comes uh, several times a year and he's, he's really checking out to see what's going to happen with those trees so uh, you know I think it's a, it's a witness somehow out there Absolutely, and that, that's another example of the slow growth of the seed and the plant that will be in time impressing him. In a different note, one of the challenges we faced in Fresno has been um, the gradual transition of the mindset of the parents and teachers 
to understand the importance of agriculture. And it's, as you heard from Eric, it's still a process. Um, but I'm encouraged to see where it's going and that the parents that are excited, it's encouraging to see them influencing their children and their, you know, their, um, their friends, other parents, to see the importance of what we're doing there. And we mustn't forget that it is a ministry to the parents, too, because this could be new, new light and new knowledge for them. Good. Many times we think as outreach for our friends and customers, but I think one of the hardest people to reach is our own family members. Mm. And they don't want to hear it from us many times. I come from Russia, and I grew up in a Muslim family. So... I'm not going to tell you my whole life story, but it was a time when I was young and I saw the movie Jesus, sponsored by Gideons, in Russia for the first time. I had to hide the Bible that they gave to me after the movie. I had to hide in a closet. And after I got married to a Christian, they found the Bible. But anyway, that's beside um, the point. And after that, my parents, I mean, because I married Christian, there was a... They love my husband. I think that would, you know, change the whole attitude of my Muslim parents toward Christianity. But um, I believe the inspiration said it so right that the health message is the entering wedge into the hearts of many people that otherwise we cannot reach. And praise the Lord, health message is 100% entering wedge into my family because my brother used to be an alcoholic, um, used to smoke so heavily, and it's just the grace of God that changed his heart. He's not a Christian, but he's watching our family, just like you mentioned earlier. People are watching, and it's a seed. Now he, um, he doesn't want to eat meat. He fasts once a week. He eats nuts and almonds and raisins for his um, meals. It's just amazing. And my mother came here. Um, we just dropped her off at the Dallas airport. And she lived with us for two months. And she said, I want to carry the message of your God into my country. The way you ate, uh, fed me here for two months with fresh produce, I want to do it over there. And I want to share a little um, secret with you. But please pray for my mother. She said, if the airplane will go down in the ocean, let it be baptism of mine for Jesus. Amen. What an opportunity your farm has given you. How wonderful. Anybody else on that question, or can I go to the next one? Okay, I'm going to go to the next one. And I think many of you have already kind of sort of answered it, but, but this will give us a chance to really um, be more honed in on it. Um, how boldly evangelistic is it appropriate to be with your farmer's market, your CSA, or whatever it is you're doing with your customers? Can you go too far is what someone is asking. So in your opinion, how bold have you felt comfortable being? Um, I'm of the opinion that it, you can be too bold negatively impacting your evangelism. Um, I remember uh, it was a couple years ago now, we had a, a lady visiting, and um, we gave her some books, and it totally offended her. She was not ready for that. And um, 
you know, it, it caused us, my wife and I, to back up and, and look at things. It's like we really need to win people's confidence on a deeper level before we push our religion. And while we want to push our religion, it's, um, it's our Christianity that will win them, not pushing anything um, too quickly. And so what I've discovered is people are watching very closely every move we make and they ask questions when they're ready and they lead us on yeah. excellent you know the common ground that they're coming to us for is healthy produce and organic you know sustainably grown food and i mean everyone needs to eat and so as they're coming to us as a customer they might not be expecting a spiritual undertone or overtone but um, really to develop a relationship with them first I think is the most important thing because they're coming out of a need and as we meet that need they'll be more open to other things as well. Mm -hmm. Amen. I would say that different people are in different places um, and you know that as you interact with people uh, some of them are ready for you to be more bold in sharing and others are just not and as you... Um, as you're in tune with the Holy Spirit, God can, God can direct us to know when people are ready for more. For instance, we just started a CSA for a Jewish synagogue, that, synagogue this last year. They actually approached us and asked us if we would come and do a CSA for their synagogue. And we've had an incredible experience with them over the summer. They were so excited um, that they came to us and said, please, please do a fall CSA. And we weren't going to do one. We just had our own personal fall garden, but we decided to go ahead and run a CSA from our personal garden for them this fall. But, you know, if we, we're just starting to develop relationships with those people, and if we go into the synagogue and start trying to preach Jesus to them, we're really going to shut those doors very quickly. But we have other customers who we've developed relationships with over, over long term who are Christians. Maybe we don't have such a, um, a difference in our in our belief systems, who, like Jason said, you know, they, they've given indication that they're ready for more by the questions that they ask, um, by their uh, willingness to associate with us in more spiritual ways. And, and so we're able to be more bold in sharing with them. Um, I just, I feel like, generally speaking, we're usually more shy about sharing than we should be. We, we really err on the side of not being bold enough. And maybe some of us uh, have a weakness in the area of being too bold, but I know that for myself, I usually wait way longer than I even need to to begin opening up spiritually to a person. And so may God, may God give us the sensitivity and then the courage to share as those doors open. Yeah, I think uh, Solomon in the book of Proverbs says, a wise man wins souls. And so it, it really just takes that per your personal connection with God, prayer, and waiting for those, those moments, those uh, opportunities. And, um, and as was said, you know, a lot of times it's their questions that yes. prompt you, that give you the, the, the green light and say, okay, he's ready. You can start bringing in some, some uh, you can be bold and start bringing in some more uh, deeper spiritual truths. Amen. But what I'm hearing from all of you is really that foundation is that relationship and that trust that's being built with the people. 
and um, then it's giving those natural opportunities um, versus just coming in and dumping it on people. Yes, Shanti. Can I share a quote that maybe might be familiar to many of us here? It comes from the Ministry of Healing. It says, Christ's method alone will give the success in reaching the people. The Savior mingled with men as one who desired their good. He showed his sympathy for them, ministered to their needs, and won their confidence. Then he bade them follow me. Amen. And when you grow food for people, you are ministering to their very basic, basic need. Anybody else on that question? No. You know, I just want to share one more uh, thing. Yeah. There is a vision of Ellen White. I don't know how many, read, how many people read this vision, but it's when um, they were picking berries. And Ellen White stayed by the wagon, and she was picking the berries, and most people just scattered everywhere in the field, and they could not find. They got discouraged. They went to eat lunch. They had fun, and she kept on picking. And some berries were very green. Some people were overripe, and they fell on the ground. But she was picking one by one. And I agree with Shante, where some people are just green berries. They will ripe. We just need to give them time. We still need to mingle and develop trust and relationship with those people, but they will ripe. We can't be impatient. You know, there's, um, I can think of so many friends we've developed over the years with our farm, and, and, and that is what you're saying is so true. It's just allowing that friendship and those opportunities to continue to develop. And um, you, can't force a fl- you can't force a rose to open. You can't force that green bean to grow on that plant or the berry or whatever it is. So, <sighs> Another question. Well, I'm looking at our time. We ha- I think we just have time for one more question. And this is the one. Have any of you had experiences where your connections, um, the contacts, the connections you've made because of your farm have actually led to Bible studies? We have had that experience. And it's, it's a beautiful one. And we've, we've studied Daniel and Revelation with customers. And kind of going back to the last question, you know, people are getting bold. And they're asking us questions. And we need to be ready to answer those. And just recently, just this summer, one of our CSA customers, who's actually a Methodist minister, came and started asking questions about the Sabbath and actually asked to study the Bible with us. So people are coming to us and asking, and, and doors are being opened for that. Amen. We have had that experience as well. And it started off with um, impromptu Bible studies out in the garden as we're just hoeing together with our, with our employees. Um, you know, they start asking us Bible questions, and then you're challenged with, how well do you know your Bible? Can you give a Bible study off the top of your head on, on any subject? And you know, it's real helpful to have our phones that we can pull out of our pocket and look up the references to the, <laughs> the verses that we're thinking of. Um, but we've had many, many Bible studies like that. And then we've had the opportunity to, to bring our, our employees to have more formal Bible studies together that um, our church is actually sponsoring. And, you know, I, I feel like what's important is that we need to be in the Word so much ourselves that when those opportunities come up, you may not have a lot of preparation time. You may not be able to sit down for an hour going through your Bible and planning in your mind what you're going to tell people. 
But there's going to be lots of opportunities in real life to share God's word. We need to be ready for it. Amen. Well, you know, we have different programs going on at our place. So in the agriculture school, you know, we have several baptisms a year. But um, the harder community is the one out there. And um, what I have seen is that we have had opportunity to give away uh, DVDs um, where people have actually requested something. So, yes, I think it does lead to that. Amen. One more thing. I was going to say that sometimes it's not necessarily going and giving a Bible study per se where you're sitting down and reading texts. A lot of times, it's, at least in our experience, my husband interacts a lot with the students. And I, I'm thinking of a couple of students in particular who um, became very close with my husband. He cultivated that friendship with them. And when the one student in particular, you know, he was really struggling with school, really struggling with behavior issues. And um, he was a junior and senior, and during his time there at working at the farm, his behavior totally changed, and it really helped him. You know, having that re- relationship and friendship with my husband, you know, they talked, you know, they talked about the Bible, talked about different things, and it really helped him to change, to want to have that closer knowledge with God. And they didn't sit down and study the Bible per se. It was all in conversation. And so I think there's, you know, there's having that Bible study, which is good, which is very important, but then also having that conversation and that friendship, which is what we've talked about, which can really help that person to want to go into, mm-hmm. into the Bible for themselves and study for themselves and to develop, um, to develop a closer relationship with God if they, if they, since they already have, if they already have one. And seeing a Christian family, yeah. because so many of the students don't have strong family backgrounds and And coming to your family worship and yeah and you know we've you know these two particular students i'm thinking of in particular they you know they would come over on the weekends and want to spend time with us and want to come over in the evenings and have dinner with us if you know sometimes and so just having setting that example of what a christian family looks like you know a good christian family i think is also important because um you know you may be the only bible someone ever reads and so they might not want to sit down and have a Bible study per se, but if you talk, you know, if you have a good close friendship with them, then that really helps them to develop a close friendship with God, a close relationship with God. Amen. Well, our time is up, and I would ask that um, you would pray for these farmers. Pray for yourselves, too, and for anybody that you know who may be considering to start a farm or kind of step out in faith on that venture. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father God, I want to thank you for the lessons that you give us from the soil. I want to thank you that the same laws that govern the growth of seeds in the soil are the same laws that govern the growth of seeds in our life and in the lives of the people we mingle with and that we touch. Thank you, Lord. Please bless us on this Sabbath, and thank you for dying on the cross for us. In Jesus' name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.